It's Thursday, September 12th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the House Judiciary Committee formalized its process for potentially impeaching President Trump. We'll connect the dots on what's actually new here and how lawmakers are responding. Then, the makers of OxyContin say they've reached a tentative settlement with states and local governments across the country amid the opioid epidemic. And finally, what to expect when you're expecting the third Democratic primary debate. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about impeachment. Chances are you may have heard the I word today after the House Judiciary Committee set some new ground rules for its investigation into whether the House should impeach President Trump. But there's been a lot of confusion about where things are headed in terms of impeachment. Even elected officials are confused, in part because there are no formal rules about how to even start the process. And top Democrats don't seem to agree about whether impeaching the president is even a good idea. So we're going to get into what the House Judiciary Committee actually did today, what an impeachment process could look like, and the differences among Democrats about what to do here. We'll just say it. This whole impeachment thing has been really hard to keep track of. As a reminder, impeachment is where the House of Representatives basically indicts a president and then sends it up to the Senate to see whether he should be removed from office for things like treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. You know, the usual fare. And if you thought Dems had already kind of started this process against President Trump, you're not wrong. There's one guy in Washington right now with a lot of power here, and his name is Jerry Nadler. He's a Democratic congressman from New York, and he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which is basically in the driver's seat when it comes to anything impeachment. Nadler's important because the impeachment process starts in the Judiciary Committee. There are a few steps to this, so we'll break it down. Step one the Judiciary Committee researches impeachment and any evidence to support it. In step two, the Judiciary Committee gives the thumbs up or thumbs down on whether the full House of Reps should consider what's called the Articles of Impeachment. In step three, the House votes on those Articles of Impeachment, which is a big deal. So three-step process in the House. Then, if the House votes yay, it goes to the Senate, where they put the president on trial. Drama! Two-thirds of the Senate would have to support impeachment for the president to actually leave office. Last month, Nadler made news on CNN when he said, mark my words, we've made it to step one, the research phase. This is formal impeachment proceedings. We are investigating all the evidence, we're gathering the evidence, and we will, at the conclusion of this, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, uh, vote to vote uh, uh, articles of impeachment to the House floor, or we won't. That's a decision that we'll have to make. So if we were on step one before today, what was today's vote all about? Let's be clear, we are still on step one. Today was basically about the Judiciary Committee ordering an espresso and putting on its deep focus playlist as it continues to research impeachment. In a party-line vote, meaning all Dems in favor, all Republicans opposed, The committee gave itself the power to call certain hearings impeachment hearings and to spend more time questioning witnesses about President Trump's possible obstruction of justice or abuse of power. The committee will also let Trump's White House lawyers respond, in writing only, to things that come up in any hearings. The committee already has a lot of investigatory powers. They can subpoena witnesses and take depositions, but now it's got even more. 
some Republicans pointed out today that this is different from how things went down back when President Nixon and President Clinton were investigated for impeachment. Back then, step one went differently. In both of those cases, the House of Representatives voted to tell the Judiciary Committee how to do its research. That's not what's happening here. Judiciary is just going for it, which Republicans point out breaks precedent. But experts say there's no set formula for how step one needs to go. And other experts say the judiciary's gained a lot of power since the Nixon and Clinton eras, so it can call its own shots. Republicans also said that this resurgence of impeachment talk is just a way for Democrats to show off. Here's Georgia Congressman Doug Collins. He's the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee. What's happened today is great. The Judiciary Committee has become a giant Instagram filter to make you appear that something's happening that's not. And Collins may be on to something. Because even though Nadler's in the early stages of this whole impeachment thing, Dems worry the process has already gone too far, that even just talking about impeachment could hurt Dems in vulnerable House districts. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reportedly said last month in a private call that she's not ready to launch impeachment proceedings, not until the public gets on board. And that would include Republicans. But other Dems, like New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, think it's time for Dems to just go for it. She argued this week in footage captured by MSNBC that impeachment should be a top priority, even if Republicans on Capitol Hill wouldn't go for it. I want to see every Republican go on the record and knowingly vote against impeachment of this president. So what's the skim? It's official. The House Judiciary Committee is formally looking into whether to try to impeach President Trump. And today, that investigation got some added muscle. But top Democrats are divided on whether impeachment should be their priority. Some commentators have even suggested that these mixed signals from Dems are strategic, that they're about sending one message to pro-impeachment Dems that something's being done, while also signaling to cautious Dems that impeachment isn't their focus. One factor that could clear things up for everyone is what the 2020 Democratic nominee thinks about impeachment. And in tonight's Democratic debate, we may get some answers about what the candidates hoping to lead the party think about impeachment. We'll have more on what to expect at tonight's debate later on in the show. As the opioid epidemic continues to grab headlines, the maker of OxyContin, Purdue Pharma, may have struck a deal to settle thousands of lawsuits from states and local governments across the country. First, let's do a quick recap. More than 130 people die every day from opioid overdoses. It's a leading cause of accidental death in the U.S. because patients are getting prescribed opioid medications and then getting addicted. States and local governments across the country have called for drug manufacturers to be held accountable for the epidemic for not being careful in how they've marketed and distributed their drugs. Last month, a state judge in Oklahoma started laying down the law. The state had sued three drug companies. Two of them, Purdue Pharma and Teva Pharmaceuticals, settled out of court without admitting any wrongdoing. But Johnson & Johnson, they stuck it out, and the judge ruled that J&J had to pay the state $572 million for their role in the state's opioid crisis. But that was just one case. There are thousands of other pending lawsuits across the country. Purdue Farm has been trying to reach a nationwide settlement to try to stay out of court. And now they say they've reached a deal 
with about two dozen states and 2,000 local governments. Here's how they say it'll work. First, Purdue Pharma will file for bankruptcy. Then, the company would have to pay up to $12 billion, with about $3 billion of that coming from the Sackler family. They own Purdue Pharma. According to some reports, the Sacklers would also have to sell another company they own, a global drug company called Mundi Pharma, and fork over another $1.5 billion from that sale. Though it's not clear the families agreed to that. Basically, Purdue Pharma has to break itself down so it can pay off all these settlements. How all that money will get split up is still TBD. But in the end, Purdue Pharma wouldn't have to admit to any wrongdoing. And if all this works out, Purdue Pharma could be able to politely excuse itself from the first ever federal trial over the opioid crisis. That trial involves a bunch of lawsuits by local and tribal governments that have been bundled up together. That starts next month and still involves more than a dozen other drug companies and distributors. Like we said, some states are on board with the Purdue Pharma settlement too, but not all of them. Several state attorneys general, including in New York and Wisconsin, said they would continue to fight Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family in court. And Connecticut's AG said this deal doesn't meet the scale of pain and destruction that was caused by these drugs. For the local governments that have signed on, they say this tentative settlement is a major development, like one step closer to taking down Goliath. But whether a settlement that takes down Goliath will be enough to solve this years-long crisis is still unclear. Tonight is the third Democratic presidential primary debate. Ten candidates, one stage, one night only, in Houston, Texas. So no part two of this debate, which frees up your Friday. You're welcome. But that also means these are the top 10 candidates, all in one place. So we're going to see a whole new set of dynamics. The big one is that the top three candidates in the polls will all be on the same stage, in spitting distance from each other. Former VP Joe Biden, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. The moderate frontrunner versus the liberal firebrands. Everyone else is hoping for a chance to impress you. Representing their home state of Texas will be former Housing Secretary Julian Castro and former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Also present, Senators Cory Booker of New Jersey, Kamala Harris of California, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang, whose campaign is teasing that Yang will do something that no other presidential candidate in history has done before. If that doesn't intrigue you, then we don't know what will. Tonight's debate will air live from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern tonight. Yes, three hours. Hosted by ABC and Univision. They'll have live streams online. For more on what to expect tonight, head to theskim.com slash 2020. Before we go today, we have a fun fact coming to you from the Royal Closet. Today was Meghan Markle's first day back to work, after the birth of her son Archie in May. And to mark the occasion, today she launched a mini workwear collection with the help of some of her designer friends. Markle's collection includes a shirt, pants, blazer, dress, and tote bag. It's a capsule wardrobe. And it's for a good cause. 
If you buy an item from her collection, another one goes to a charity that helps unemployed women from disadvantaged backgrounds dress and prepare for job interviews. The charity is called SmartWorks. Cheers to that. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.